Hello, welcome to Diminishing Returns. We're back on Bond this week. So, Sol, Alan, are you guys ready to dance into the fire with me and talk about a view to a kill? Oh, God. <laughs> dance into the fire. fire. <laughs> that, that, uh, that theme we came into, of course, was by the wonderful Tomo Fallows. Oh, good, yeah. And uh, thanks to Tomo for for doing our Halloween theme as well. Uh, mm. He sent us that. Well, I found the email very last minute, so <laughs> I don't think we actually credited him in the episode. I did. But... I did mention it in my outro. Yeah. I did. Oh, cool, cool. But not in the episode. He messaged me recently. Uh, or oh, someone claiming to be him did anyway. <laughs> Some uh... so-called Tomo fans. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, and talented. But yeah, themes. Music. It's a good one in this film, isn't there? I wondered if you'd like this one. Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Who am I? What's going on? What is this? Where am I? <laughs> well, well uh, we can talk about I'm, the, the theme song. Well, let's, no, let's introduce ourselves first. Let's, oh, right, yeah. Let's, we'll so, so, hello, I'm, I'm Alan. Uh, with me, as always, is the spry, young, 20-something Sol Harris. <laughs> Hi. Right. And... The decrepit, old, broken-down, 30-year-old Calvin Dyson. Now I know how you feel, Alan. I'm just gonna <laughs> hate on everything we talk about from now on and come out with confusing, strange opinions about things that you would expect me to dislike. Yeah, yeah. We just had one of those. We just recorded one of those before, uh, before this. You have to become a patron to hear that one. <laughs> I am! Uh yeah, so, um, yeah, Calvin, you're 30 years old now, big boy. Uh, mm. And dare I say, you've turned into a right handsome wee bastard as well. <laughs> Just, oh, oh, really? I watched a video on your YouTube channel. Um, coincidentally, it was a review of A View to Kill. Uh, and oh. it's from about six years ago, I think it was. And I was like, right. I, I barely even recognise this this young man. <laughs> Who is this? Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Who I has think, crooked teeth? Yeah, it's very uh, old teeth. Very and gangly. And of course, you know, uh, you know, the, I don't know if the camera was as good. You know, there's the camera adds twenty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going anywhere with this? <laughs> no, no, I'm just so. Okay. <laughs> No, I just uh, genuinely, I, I did watch this video and it was three years old. And I was like, oh, it doesn't even look like Calvin. He looks so young and cherished. Oh, that's that's nice. Um, that's nice. But I have, I but I, I have. But the reason I, I you know, I, I mentioned your looks, Calvin, because you know, obviously, you've recently taken up a part-time <laughs> job as a knitwear model. Oh right. <laughs> so obviously, the looks are paying off. The I mean, this is in. yes. This is, this is very good and everything, this little, like, stand-up routine Alan's trying. But it's, it's, it's a very insular audience it's playing to. Yeah, but it is an audience that will be listening to this episode, so I think that's all right. Yeah, actually, fair point. <laughs> I just don't know where you're going. I'm waiting for... That's it? What? what? I loved your, oh, okay. loved your little jumper. Yeah. It was nice. I can't remember if this happened on air, but I remember the the last time we recorded, I can't remember if this was a recorded thing or not, but we were talking about the James Bonds and sort of like the level of which the likelihood is that I will get a chance to meet them. (laughs) Um, And again, I can't remember if we recorded this or not. Q&A, maybe? 
Oh, possibly, yeah. It might well be, but I remember at one, we were talking about, oh, accessibility, who's gonna... And I think, I think, Sol, I think you were the one that said, like, oh, yeah, Pierce Brosnan will happen one day, you'll... Yeah. You know, yeah. that will happen. It's because you're saying you, you, you've met Roger Moore, haven't you? And so... Yes. Did you see my video about my Iceland trip where he was there? No. I have. I it, saw it. <laughs> yeah. He was there, like, in, in the Blue Lagoon. We went to the Blue Lagoon spa, and just Pierce Brosnan was there oh. at the spa at the same time. It was nuts. That's, that's cool. Did you, did, you, did you get him to record an intro for the, for the podcast? <laughs> did you get him no. to touch you in the showers? <laughs> uh, no, but we were in a pool together at the same time. Well, me and uh, my partner and his wife. Uh, just the four of us. But I didn't say anything. I was too nervous. Do you, do you see his penis? What? No, 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 no. Um, they were covered in mud. It's one of those small <laughs> things. Was he <laughs> wearing little swimming shorts? Was that all he had on? I don't know. I, I only saw him from the waist up. Was it like Halle Berry coming out of the water? <laughs> it literally was. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It really was. It was quite something. I wanted to ask Calvin... Yeah. I watched your video um, available on YouTube, Calvin Dyson Bond Reviewer. Um, I, I watched your video talking about um, your Pierce Brosnan adventure. And so you walk, mm. you walked into the, the, the spa place and, and you see mm. this sort of trampy looking beard man on the, the, <laughs> at the bar. And you were like, oh, yeah, I think that's Pierce Brosnan. You know, so there was a slow realization of like, oh, my God, that actually is Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, was there any point in that sort of period where you were thinking... Has Arnis set this up as a thirtieth birthday surprise, and it's like he's here to see me? <laughs> it, it flashed across my mind momentarily <laughs> until Arnis went. Who the fuck's like, Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until that. Let's just go in the water. <laughs> he, he could not care less. Really, he was so uninterested in the whole thing. Was it just completely random, or was yeah. was it like, oh, this is a. And We're going to this place that we know that uh, he, 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 yeah, Pierce Brosnan likes. <laughs> I saw it on his on Instagram. Yeah. No, completely random. Like, and I bump, saw him twice as well, which was like the first time was just like when yeah, the, country, the reception, the receptionist <laughs> was uh, like showing us around the the thing, and we just walked past the bar, and there was just this guy sat by himself, and I was like. Looks an awful lot like Pierce Brosnan, and I just kept looking back, and then we made eye contact. I was like, "Oh my god, it is Pierce Brosnan!" But then he was, you know, we were being shown through to the changing rooms. Then so we went through to the changing rooms, and I was, to honest, just like my partner. Um, oh my god, I think that's Pierce Brosnan out there, and he just didn't really care. And then we went out, we got changed and went out, and then he was gone. So I was like, "Oh well, I'll never know. Never mind." And then later on, we were just like swimming around in the pool, and then we turn, you know, look up, and he's like right there. And it was. Uh, Yes, confirmed it. Wow, there you go. So, so did you? Yeah. Did you actually meet him? No, no. Well, oh, we were so, both so, like so half you, naked. Didn't... Oh, so you still got a ticket off then? Yeah, 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 yeah. We made <laughs> eye contact, and he probably he probably knew by making eye contact with me that I was some kind of crazed fan. Who was just like, <laughs> you didn't sure, I knew who you are. He was probably terrified. Was like, oh, God, <laughs> I've seen that kid online. Is he really followed me here for fuck's sake? Yeah, he has his PA keep an eye on the real mental ones. Just yeah. in case. Uh, I, I thought I, I thought you took great self-control in not uh, not approaching him when he was on his private holiday. Well done. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would not have ended well. You would have just been really weird and he would have been creeped out. You probably got thrown out of the yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was best just to leave it be. Yeah. Were, yeah. Did you try and, like, manufacture some situation where you would have to talk to him, like... Um, 
oh, could you pass me that thing over there, please, <laughs> or whatever. Like it's anything, any reason to go. Can, can we? Can we do? Can we do a test? Can we do like a role play? <laughs> like how, if, if you if you were going to approach him, Calvin, how would you? How would you? Wait, which one of which one of us is going to be Pierce Brosnan? Okay, be I'll, I'll be Brosnan. I'll be Pierce, and you can be his wife. Okay. Right, um, I'll do some splashing sound effects wait, wait. that you can edit in. <laughs> is Piers Brosnan's wife? Has she got an accent? Just so <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't actually know. Just pick one. Just pick uh, one. okay. She's Nigerian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh God. What's What's um, Piers Brosnan's accent? <laughs> what goes on in this town is none of your business. It's like that kind. Of... <laughs> right. His wife is American. <laughs> oh, uh, American. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> she did actually say hi to uh, well Arnest said I think I think she said hi first and then cuz we were going past and he said hi. You could have claimed uh, you were like some washed up boy band star. They wouldn't know. If, if you're in the VIP area, you could be oh yeah, uh, yeah, I was very big about 8 years ago, made a lot of money. Yeah. You ever hear that song yeah. Mbop? I, I did that. <laughs> I reckon you could have just said you were Justin Bieber and he probably <laughs> <laughs> bought it. Uh, probably. Okay, right. I'm sp- splashing over to you. <laughs> Hi, Pierce. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm a really big fan of your work. Maybe you shouldn't be swimming here! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm role playing as the security guard. Uh, <laughs> well, you can't. You should say you that. Can't actually. talk to him. Get out of the pool. You're thrown out. <laughs> because I, I, the, there was there was a bit just in answer to Alan's question about like if there could have been a situation where we could have manufactured. There was a bit. There was a moment when um, after we'd said like after I'd sort of said to myself like okay, I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to go on with our day. They don't let you take phones in, but if you want to have photos, and obviously we wanted to have a photo of ourselves in there, you can ask one of the staff to come out with their phone, and then they take a picture and we transfer it to you. And as we were having photos, they start swimming by in the background and. In my, in my head, I'm sort of like, is this going to be like one of those, like, you know, Bill Murray sort of situations where he's going to, like, see a camera and just be like, you know, photo bomb or something. <laughs> um, but he didn't. And, uh, yeah, and then the security guard came over to the lady taking the photos and was like, oh, yeah, you really can't, you know, get a photo. Do you know who that is? Uh, and she was like, oh, yeah, no. Um, right. So we had to have photos around them swimming in the background. But then I was nervous because I thought, oh god, does Pierce think that I have selected this spot to have a photo in the hope that he might swim <laughs> in the background? But we'll never know. What you should have gone with is something like, I just wanted to say, uh, I'm, I'm an absolutely huge fan of uh, My Father Die. <laughs> Or uh, uh, what? What's some other obscure like? I mean, that that's his ghost, son, isn't it? Ghostwriter, ghost. What was it called? No, that no, was no. one that I was actually thinking about. <laughs> you, 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 you want, you want, like, you, you want the failed, uh, the failed oh, yeah. like vanity project that he produced. Has he done one? Has he ever written and directed? Evelyn. Anything? Yeah, Evelyn. I just want you to know, Pierce. I'm a huge fan of Evelyn. Loved it. Didn't get the respect <laughs> it deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep on trucking, son. <laughs> but but you but you approach him kind of like 
make yourself look like a James Bond fan as much as possible. So he goes, oh, for God's sake. What, like, swim over to him going, dun 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 Yeah. You have to try and be a bit more butch, girl. Swim over to him in a in a wetsuit, but then open it up and you're wearing a tuxedo underneath. And going, eh? Eh? But anyway, you know who's not in this film that we're Piers talking Brosnan. about today? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. If if you want if you want to know more about uh, Calvin's story, then go to Calvin Dyson Bond Reviewer on YouTube, sponsored by Lovely Jumpers. Who is in this film? <laughs> Roger Moore, of course. Uh, so, I mean, not so being able you, to tell, he so looks so different. So you have so met him as different. well, right? Yes. So how did how did the experiences compare? Uh, well, it was a Who different sort of nicer? thing. Uh, Roger. D- really? Does well Pier- the sparse, was all, in all I could spa smell was sulfur. Yeah, oh, oh. Can With I ask you a, a quick so. question, Calvin? Does Pierce yes. Brosnan have a lovely thatch of silver chest hair? Uh it was darker. I think. Mm. I, think I can't really it. remember. But it's sort of like you know uh, what's it called? Pepper something, Salt isn't and it? Pe- mm. Salt and pepper. That there we go. Yeah, yeah. He's a very handsome, striking man. Ooh. Mm, tall to strike you only with an open hand. I wish. <laughs> okay, so stop talking about Pierce Brosnan. Uh, we, Have so any of my... us ever met Christopher Walken? <laughs> <laughs> no. Grace Jones. Right. So my uh, my first note actually, Calvin, was surely this has to be the last Roger Moore one. Surely. <laughs> oh no, he makes another so two. Of them. Oh my god. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is the last one. Yeah, so he had some cosmetic surgery in between <laughs> films, which is why he looks so alarming here. Did <laughs> you notice a difference, actually? Like, I'm particularly interested in Sol's uh, opinion on this, as I think the more the most casual out of the three of us uh, when it comes to these films. Did you notice a difference in how he looked? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he had, his, he had a mole removed and his eyes tucked, I think. So he definitely had a facelift. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it, it did sort of the opposite thing, though, and made him just look really old. Yeah. Um, but only two years had passed from the previous one, and I think in Octopus he was fairly all right. But here they seem to just be manufacturing the entire film around, like, him. And it, it, his age just... Like going up against this new young villain and Grace Jones and the Bond girls, like <laughs> Christopher Walken, the young villain. <laughs> well, yeah. back then he was. He was about forty-eight then. <laughs> was he? I don't know. Well, hang on, that's thirty-four years ago. He must be. Oh Christ, yeah, he must be in his seventies now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy-six now, so he would have been exactly yeah. a spry young man, was he? Well, that's saying something then. If he looks young compared to <laughs> Roger Moore, um, yeah. I mean, do you want to know what my first note for this film is? Yes. Skiing opening. Haven't I already seen this one? And then uh, second note, yes. isn't this the spy who loved me? And, uh, oh, and, 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 recall. and I was genuinely I'm not I'm not just being like funny. I genuinely thought, have I put the wrong film on? <laughs> Yeah, no, they ha- they have another uh, ice opening to this one, but it doesn't have a Union Jack parachute at the end. Mm. It just has that uh, little iceberg submarine. Did yeah, well, then, the music- then yeah, the Beach Boys uh, right. song over the skiing came on, that? and then I and then I made them know, have I put Spy Hard on by mistake? <laughs> <laughs> 
it was yeah. su- such a such a terrible choice because not only is it like oh look he's snowboarding what's that like kind of like surfing i suppose what do we know about <laughs> surfing it was just like such a like 80 year old man trying to make a joke kind of about yeah. the young people of 20 years yeah. ago uh, it was just you know the beach boys are 20 years out of date by this point the the song doesn't it doesn't flow into the scene nicely it doesn't fit the anything it's such a terrible choice on all levels yep. uh, yeah <sighs> yeah i'm not going to complain there and and again it, it just does it's this sort of confounding you just got this like obviously Roger Moore is only 57 when he's filming this but i think he looks much older it's uh, and then he's obviously being filmed on a back projection he's obviously oh, yeah. not there in the oh, arctic was... or where, For, throughout this? the whole film it really did not play well any time roger moore had to move <laughs> it yeah. didn't yeah. work because it was when he's, back uh, st- when he's uh, standing still and sitting down that's fine but as soon as he has to like even when he's running up the steps of the Eiffel Tower later on and he just looks like out of breath like <laughs> in real life he just looks like it was probably a bit much for him mm. uh, oh, yeah. yeah anyway and then he gets on that little iceberg get uh, iceberg submarine thing <laughs> yeah. and there's just some Miss World in there waiting for him and it's just really yeah unpleasant just cl- just yeah. classic bond though i mean i my note was like does he have to be condescending to every woman he meets like just the way he <laughs> talked to her like she's your getaway driver at the very least you know she's she's obviously on the job uh so to speak mm. so you know treat her with a bit of fucking respect mm. did he say something like uh you said something like it's like three days to five it is said five. five i mean no i can imagine spending five days with fucking james bond in a little thing like that even if you enjoyed shagging him, it'd still get on your nerves pretty quickly, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, the opening is... Um... Rubbish. Unremarkable. Oh, oh no! well, I was going to just talk about the plot. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he has to find the body of another double O agent to recover a microchip. Yes. Uh, which is going to be analysed by his colleagues back in London. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're all agreed that this is a very poor uh, start to the film. A yeah. very uh, cheap-looking action sequence. But uh, then then we get to the, the opening credits sequence. Mm. And it's great. Fucking loved it. The song? Well, all of it. It was like, I don't oh, like the is... song. I have to say I don't, Oh, don't it's like a great song. song. It's, it's, it's a fantastic song. This is a song I like just in general. This is a song I just listen to quite regularly anyway. It's such a crap 80s song. It's like it's not even oh, a it's good fucking great Duran 80s song. song. It's, it's, yes, it is. <laughs> Duran Duran are fucking great. This is one of the good songs. Alan's wrong. And uh, <laughs> no, and this this opening sequence was just, yeah, it was just classic Bond. This is what I want from a James Bond opening sequence. And I sat there mm. and watched the opening credits. And then it, it finished and I realized I just sat and watched an entire like three and a half minute song from start to finish and I hadn't even got bored hadn't even noticed it so that was good
Uh, we should add, actually, this is this is the first time I've watched a James Bond film on this podcast that I haven't seen before. This is the first oh. time I've gone into one with like oh, interesting. As, a, as a virgin. <laughs> hmm. Just on Duran Duran, uh, do you know how they got to do this song in the first place? Like mm. they have they had no. the same cocaine dealer as Cubby Broccoli, and they met. Uh... <laughs> hey! Oh! Oh, they're slender or libel. I forget which way round. <laughs> it, it's, well, is Cubby Broccoli, uh, was Cubby Broccoli alive at this point? When did he die? Yes, yes, he's still producing at this point, yeah. Where, when did he die? Um, Between Dalton 97, I believe. Uh, yeah, he was there for the first B.S. Brosnan one and then died during the second one, I think. Mm, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, apparently... Um, one of the members of Duran Duran, I can't remember which one it was, they were like, uh, they were at a party and Kirby Broccoli was there and they went up to him and said, uh, when are you going to get someone good to do one of the theme songs for yeah. a Bond film? And he said, definitely so, uh, not for a view to a kill. Do you want to do it? Hey, <laughs> we tried that with that Blondie song and I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's how they got the gig, apparently. That's what you should have done with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> it's it's the first it's the first official Bond theme that I really love. Oh, oh, I hated it. Cool. Shit. Yeah, but Alan, you don't like oh, music. I'm, I'm a fan. That's true. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, when's your next note? Because otherwise, I'd just uh, run through the film. Uh, um. Well, do, do you want my do you want my broad strokes opinion on this film in a nutshell? Like not not quality, but just what I took away from it. Okay. Okay. This is the first James Bond film that oh. feels modern, like a contemporary oh. film. All the other ones I've watched mm. have felt like a real throwback to some... You kind of have to go, oh, bless them, and, and mm. take it on their own level. Mm. This is the first one I've sort of watched and thought, oh, this kind of feels like a film you might just watch for fun. Mm. I think if you were if you just showed me this blind and asked me to sort of place it, I'd probably put it mid seventies rather than mid eighties. Mm. Uh, I'd go eighties. Yeah. I'd go early. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd take out take out Duran Duran, obviously. Uh, <laughs> from that, I I I'd still go eighties. I just think how it's filmed and edited and all that sort of stuff. It just felt contemporary in a way that these mm. films haven't so far. Can't say I'm completely convinced of that. I think I know what you mean, though. It's 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 starting to lose a little bit of that kind of gentleman's club feel to like MI6. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I appreciate there's no women in it still, but uh, it, it, you know, it's just like that kind of very like, oh, come along, Bond, we've got to do this. I mean, I know it's still there, but it, it it's yeah, it's concentrating more on like let's get out there, do some action, and have a bit of plot. And, uh, so yeah, we we start with. Uh, Bond in M's office, and I—I was—I wanted to ask: Is this a new M? Because he just seemed so charmless and boring. I, I don't—I remember him being more than that. He was in the last one. It's an actor called Robert Brown, who was in a Bond film actually previously. He played Admiral Hargreaves, who was a government sort of uh, body in *The Spy Who Loved Me*. And then Bernard Lee, who played the original M, died after they filmed Moonraker, and then they didn't have M in the next film, and then they had um, this Robert Brown guy come in. But I think it's 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 uniformly agreed that he is sort of the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Crap M? Least impactful. 
Yeah, that was it. It was just really charmless. I, that was the word I used in my notes. It was just like, eh. I think the M's usually like Bernard, when you look at Bernard Lee and Judy Dench, it's like they're quite tough with Bond, uh, you know, and they, they feel like sort of parental figures. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, Bond is old now, uh, probably the same age as M in this one, but there's no kind of uh authoritativeness to him or yeah. anything it feels more like just colleagues and i think like especially when all of mi6 go to the races and it's just all these like 50 year old people uh mm. all look the same all gray-haired suited up because you got patrick mcnee and then q and money penny this is oh this is the last one with lois maxwell as money penny oh yeah yeah she you know to retire and get a pension uh <laughs> She wanted to play M, I think, after this, is what she says, but they didn't go that way. It's a bit of a jump up for a secretary, isn't it? (laughs) 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 But this is the last one with her, and then they recast in the next one, and uh, yeah, she's been in the most Bond films up to this point. Quick question, Coward. Do you think they could get away with, like, saying, have have a, for example, Pierce Brosnan become the new M? Uh, oh, as in like bringing a former actor to play the part? Yeah, um, and not mention it, not like go oh, and it, he's a former Bond, he's been mm. promoted. Hey, get it? Mm. But just like, is it the same actor playing a different character, or is mm. it the same character? And just really annoy everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of do that with this guy, even though he was a minor character in The Spy Who Loved Me. They never really sort of confirm whether he's supposed to be playing the same character as the other guy, or whether the other guy, you know, moved on and then this guy's a new one. I don't think they would ever cast a former Bond in a part... Because I think it would just overshadow everything else. Yeah, I think it would be too distracting, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Weren't they originally planning to cast Sean Connery as Daniel Craig's dad? In Skyfall, there is an old guy played by um, Albert Finney. And the rumour was that, yeah, that part was sort of written for Sean Connery. Uh, But that would have been really weird. That would have been very, very strange. The other thing I thought in this scene was um, a robot dog. Uh, ah. This is a new low even for Bond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that? Because doesn't Rocky have a robot in one of the Rocky films? <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if they were of the same <laughs> yeah. era. Like, yeah. 1985. This, this, feels yeah. like a, this feels like actually for Bond, realistic. You know, like this is a realistic kind of little remote control robot thing whereas mm. the one in Rocky 4 or whatever it is is like a housekeeper yeah who, who <laughs> it's full, like full blown artificial yeah it has emotions and bonds with the child it's stuff. like I did your taxes for you while you were away Polly please stop drinking <laughs> <laughs> Whereas this one is, how come it's always? How come we always talk about you? <laughs> Whereas this one is really just like a camera on a remote control camera, really, isn't it? Yeah, this feels completely realistic. The sort of thing they send into like uh, bomb disposal and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't know how legit it was for '85, but it's not like it does anything particularly uh, out of the ordinary, is it? It's just a remote mm. control car with a the camera on it basically yeah. and it's only being set up here so it can come back in the like coder at the end of the film yeah yeah i was all right with that yeah. i didn't mind Stupid, it. No, yeah. just thought it was... uh so microchips that's what the plot is this time uh, yes modern well, I, uh... silicon valley all that you know what Saul was saying about feels like yeah. a contemporary sort of film yeah. they talk about electromagnetic pulses computers. and computers and oh. yeah it's like, ooh, yeah. computers. And uh, it set up a nice 
plot where it was like, okay, he's doing something with chips and he's making horses go faster. Okay, so that's why. But it was obviously going to be lead up to something with bigger stakes than that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was nice. I thought it was a nice progression. Mm. Um, not to jump too far ahead, but I, I did definitely, like at the halfway point, after the horse story had kind of gone away, I was just like, I've, all right, I've lost. I've, I don't, I've lost track of what's happening and I don't care. Uh, which always seems to happen with Bond films. Like, I can go so far and then it's just like, why is this so long? I think it's because a lot of these Roger Moore ones are structured the same, where it is like the plot starts being about one thing and it's relatively inauspicious or sort of low stakes. And then halfway through the film, Bond uncovers that, oh, that was just, you know, one part of the the thing is the the ultimate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When's the really awkward chase scene with Grace Jones? Uh, on the iPhone. Quite so you're gonna on. have to narrow that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite early on. Isn't there one up front? There's one on the Eiffel Tower towards the beginning of the film, where Bond meets up with Monsieur Aubergine, the most ridiculously <laughs> stereotypical yeah. Frenchman on film. <laughs> what are you talking about? My name is John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, we, we've got the, the the whole MI6 lot go to the um, the races, and then Bond is sent off to Paris. Um, and it's around here that we are introduced to the villains, Christopher Walken as Max Zorin and his henchwoman uh, Mayday, played by Grace Jones. Um, yeah, I mean, even though Christopher Walken is 42, I, I, I still think these guys come across as, like, young, hip... Uh, <laughs> characters compared to sort of what we've had previously. Um, yeah, I suppose. Well, so. c- can I ask? Can I ask what the deal is with Christopher Walken being in this film? Well, because my understanding with James Bond films is they don't they they seem to cast relatively unknown actors in all the roles mm. and discover people. They don't seem to cast established actors. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a an established actor in a James Bond film before. Oh, yeah. Because normally they do, like like you say, they go to sort of like unknowns or they go to sort of like foreign yeah. films and they'll cast someone who is like... A lot of the villains, like uh, the guy that played Drax in Moonraker, he's like an established French actor. He's been in many yeah. French films and that's normally sort of what they do. Um, but he, uh, yeah, Oscar winner... Uh, Christopher. Well, that's Morgan. it. He, he was a you know an established lead man mm, in mm. in a number of well respected and successful films before this. So it's just it feels very weird to add him into the mix. Well, do you know who was originally in... sought after for the part? Uh, is this the one with David Bowie? Yes. Ooh. David Bowie was. Uh... Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah, and he said, "Do you know the story about him and Roger Moore? Uh, did they did they fuck each other?" Well, um, well, <laughs> Mick Jagger. Like D- David Bowie was asked about like why he turned down the role, and he said it was something along the lines of I, you know, um, I'd just be spending six months watching my stunt double fall off a cliff, and that was he was just very disinterested in it. And then there was this story, and I don't know how much of like urban legend this is, but the story goes that in the early eighties, David Bowie like bought a house, a fancy mansion somewhere in England, um, and one of his neighbors was Roger Moore who would, like, come over at, like, seven o'clock in the evening, and he'd, like, say, oh, hello, I'm Roger Moore, and uh, Dave would say, oh, hello. And they'd have a few <laughs> drinks and chats, and they're like, oh, all right, well, that's nice, goodbye. Uh, but then Roger Moore would come back the next day, 
at the same time, and he wouldn't realise that he was telling the same stories over and over again. Uh, he just had this bank of anecdotes. It's a lonely old drunk. <laughs> and it, legend has it that it got to a point where David Bowie was turning the lights out and <laughs> pretending that he wasn't home <laughs> because Roger Moore kept couldn't, coming around every couldn't day. He just, couldn't he just send his butler down to be like, oh, David's out at the moment? <laughs> I'm pretty anyway, sure he, that... ha- he has. I'm pretty sure he had staff, David Bowie. <laughs> so anyway, that, yeah. that is uh, urban. I, I think that's urban legend. I don't know if that's <laughs> true or not. But uh, what what is true is that Roger Moore hated filming with Grace Jones. <laughs> oh really? He, he, I, th- I read his autobiography and. Uh, the line that he dedicates to her says something along the lines of, it's like, you know, if you've got nothing good to say about someone, don't say anything at all, and that's how I feel about Grace Jones. And <laughs> then later on, he makes a comment about one of the one of his co-stars was playing very loud pop music in her trailer and distracting him. <laughs> um, so, yeah. He's been quite open Surprising. about the fact that he didn't like her. You know, if you were going to pick two people who were going to get on, I mean, there's... Not what you go for, is it? <laughs> she played a prank on him where uh, there's that she, bit later she on in sent the film. Him a, she sent him a dead rat in the mail just to get into character. <laughs> Lots she, of used uh, condoms that... hung around this trailer. There's that really cringy bit later on where he's in bed and uh, he's sort of inviting her in. And Grace Jones has this like robe on and she drops the robe. And, Big cock? Uh, and uh, as like a practical joke, she was wearing like a big like strap-on dildo. Yeah, yeah. So when cocks are always funny, yeah, um, yeah. But apparently, Roger that does explain that the look on his face in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's very awkward, isn't it? Anyway, I'm jumping way ahead here. Uh, yeah, well, let's talk about Grace Jones, though. I mean, I, I know it's kind of obvious, but doesn't she just look like a? She looks like, so hard, like she would be like hard to the touch. She's very um, striking, though. I think I think she's a oh, great yeah. addition to the film. In terms, oh of... yeah. I mean, I don't really know what Grace Jones is. Yeah, neither I, do I. I assume she didn't she's do a much singer. acting. I think she did singing. I presume she was a model because she's sort of tall and very yeah, striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Very angular, sort of chiselled looks. All of the above, I think. But she, I'm pretty sure she was sort of most known for being a pop star in the '80s. You know, along sort of like yeah. Madonna lines, uh, very outrageous. And um, and yeah, she's just like so striking and. Uh, as she still, to this day, doesn't look any different. She's still quite a remarkable, uh, very fit, very attractive person. Um, and here, I, I agree, I think she's great casting. And even though I think this is probably one of the weaker films in the series, she is one of the more really? iconic villain... Um, Don't villains. give it away. <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll, get, we'll get to it in the wrap-up. But we'll get to it in the wrap-up. But It just yeah. seemed like a very Calvin-y movie. Well, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. I, I mean, I love her as Mayday. I think she's fantastic. And, you know, she's one of those characters who every time they've got a video game, Mayday is one of the multiplayer characters, along with, like, Jaws and Oddjob. She's just so iconic. Yeah. yeah, she's a great presence. You know that scene where she's, like, doing karate with Christopher Walken? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that an appropriate leotard to wear for physical activity? <laughs> it just seems like... Would be more impractical than anything else. Yeah, I don't know. Did we need to see that? <laughs> Just mm. quite uh, risque. But uh, yeah, she um, gives Roger Moore the business, I guess. Yep, yep. Mm. She's on top. I liked her. I must say, she was very awkward in a lot of the action scenes. Um, the note I made about when she first appeared on the Eiffel Tower is that just that was such an awkward chase. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> 
I've got a dog with me. Ah. I've got a dog with me, and he likes to wheeze sometimes. Ah. 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 <laughs> Why have you got a dog with you? Why is it making a noise that's not a dog noise? It sounds like a duck. Because <laughs> he's a fucking pedigree, and they don't work right, do they? Oh, no. What have you done to it? Nothing. It just does oh, it that just sometimes. It. it just went silent. <laughs> just <laughs> just snapped its neck. <laughs> nice and quick. Nobody suffered. Mm. Right. Oh yeah, you were talking about the Eiffel Tower, the awkwardness of the action. Yeah. I, I have to say as well, I I know it happens a lot in this franchise. I can't stand it. I fucking hate this obsession James Bond as a franchise has with characters just spontaneously generating parachutes they weren't wearing ten seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> what what's that about? Why don't they why dramatic don't... leap into the sky? Otherwise, oh, yeah, you don't they weren't have that. just killing killing themselves. You don't have that moment of surprise then. Yeah. And it's like, oh. If we saw Grace Jones running away from the butterfly concert, whatever that was, uh, with a parachute <laughs> back, we'd know what she was going to do. That's but, classic French. But the surprise isn't, oh, she was wearing a parachute. The surprise is, oh, she wasn't wearing that parachute five seconds ago. <laughs> what? Why why do Bond villains go to such extreme measures to kill people in like bizarre ways like poison butterfly net whatever it is fishing line fake butterfly like because it's not like she does it and then like everyone's like what the fuck happened we have no idea she may as well have pulled out a gun and shot him in the face and yeah. run off like everyone saw what she did <laughs> like yeah. cover your face yeah fair enough and and then she gets away and it's fucking Max Zorin, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Max Zorin actually driving the getaway boat himself. With no cover on his face yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, oh, I wonder where that woman that was running away went to. I don't know. Let's have a look where a parachute goes. <laughs> so inconspicuous. <laughs> I, I have to say that the film, pretty swiftly after introducing him, from what I remember, moves into that bullshit that all these films do. Where James Bond like goes for a weekend break with the villain, and they sort of have <laughs> lots of two-handed, you know, like backhanded insults back and forth, and little jabs, and it's all very passive-aggressive. Yeah. And I'm fucking sick of it. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. so boring. It wasn't interesting the first time they did it, and they do it in every single film, and every single time they do it, the film stops dead in its tracks. Well, that was it. I put I put a note saying like, "What's the point of going undercover if you're basically going to walk up to the bad guy and accuse him of murder?" Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> what does he goes up to and he says, "I heard you like butterflies that uh... kill people by stabbing them in the face," <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it basically just calls him right out. It's like, oh, well, don't draw attention to yourself. And then they have a race on some horses. What's that about? <laughs> what is that? Uh... Yeah, well, uh, Roger Mo- James Bond is trying to keep up his cover of being interested in uh, purchasing uh, <laughs> some well-bred horse. So obviously he has to try it out, and then they have this whole like wacky race. But that's of that's what I mean. What is that about? He, like <laughs> when it gets to the point that it gets to, he might as well just turn around and like shoot James Bond's horse in the head. Like it, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the end result of this. 
is Christopher Wong goes, well, I know who you are, and I'm getting rid of you, and I'm going to kill you. So why don't you just kill him? Because <laughs> it's not like, oh, we need to kill him in a way that makes it look an accident. Mm. Because they don't even bother putting him in the front seat of the car when they push it into the <laughs> lake. It's like, at least make it look like they drove in. But this is Come just on. a trope. I mean, they, they, I think there's only like one Bond villain to ever call out, and it was Drax in Moonraker where he says something along the lines of, you thwart every attempt uh, I make to give you an un- uh, an amusing death or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, uh, they, they all like do that. it. It's, you know, it's something with all of them. Because it wouldn't be as interesting if he just tried to shoot him. So we, we've already got to the point where Patrick McNee is dead. I love him and Roger Moore together in this film, by the way. I just think that they, they've got they great They do have chemistry. a nice bit of chemistry. Yeah, and, I like that, actually. I did like them, yeah. Um, because they are playing kind of man and servant. I did have a question, though. Is Patrick McNee's character... He says at the beginning, it's like, oh, in all my years of horse training, I've never seen... He's a horse trainer, right? Uh, and so yeah. they brought him along as an expert horse trainer. So why is he, like, in charge of going undercover as a spy? Why Is he a spy or is he a horse trainer? He's, no, he's also a government uh, agent. So, yeah. Who, who better? So he just does horse training on the side? What? Well, they say he's Sir Godfrey Tibbet, so he must have done, like, something of note to be knighted. He must be some kind of a public figure in some way. You, you would have thought training. that if he, if he was such a good racehorse <laughs> trainer, going to this, uh, you know, uh, weekend getaway, whatever it is, where it's just all about the horses, someone somewhere would be like, oh, hello, Sir Godfrey, you didn't realise you were in town. Well, that's it. Well, that's why, like, he's, he was like, oh, I can use my connections to get you an invite. He's not going himself. I thought like he was going to be there with Bond, like as another horse guy, mm. and then he's like undercover as the chauffeur. I think it was just one of those things they didn't think about at all. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> they were and, just and, like, and, "Oh, it'll be funny if he's the chauffeur." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do like those two together. I think it's a shame that he's not around for longer. Uh, yeah. Well, this was this was the point when I just started to lose interest after that whole bit with at the how the setup to that, and then they're at the house that whole weekend thing. I was engaged. I was like, yeah, they're going down here. They figured this out, blah, blah, blah. And then they sort of end all that and it goes off into something else. And I was just like, oh, whatever. To San Francisco. If you say so, yeah. Well, what do you mean if I say the Golden Gate Bridge is like in about you know, <laughs> oh, 10 yeah, minutes right, of yeah. the final running time? That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Fair point. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because it becomes something much more then, because it turns out that Max Sorin is wanting to um, create a, a, an earthquake in order to destroy. Silicon Valley. I don't know if I looked away or something, but all of a sudden, Roger Moore was in a woman's bedroom and she was had a gun on him. And I think I was expected to know who she was. Oh, she, she, he met her at the party earlier on. The Bond girl you're talking about, Tanya Roberts. The Yeah, and I was just like, who the fuck is this? All the women in these things look the same. Oh, I don't know Grace about Jones. that. This one is uh, particularly notable because of how young she is compared to him. I think... Roger Moore. Well, yeah, but, that, but that's because ago. he's become older since the last <laughs> film. That's... No, but even in the last, the last film was only two years prior, and they had a much more age-appropriate uh, Bond girl in there oh, for yeah, him. Yeah. Whereas this new one is like, I think Roger Moore said something along the lines of, uh, he realised he was too old for the part when he realised that this lady's mother was younger than him. So <laughs> she's like 25 or something. Ridiculous <laughs> like that. Uh, but no, she me- yeah. he meets her at the... Um, the Zorin weekend horse getaway. Yeah, I missed on. that because he he also gets introduced to some woman called 
genuflex and oh yeah, yeah. Uh, like that went nowhere and so it's just all these characters i was just like oh, i don't know who anybody is mm. and then he's suddenly got this this woman's got a gun on him and i'm like who the fuck and then she's called stacy sutton i was like well that's not a euphemism for anything unless i'm missing something so she's obviously not a bond girl sutton What's... mutton uh don't know stacy sutton is not a sexy name what's going on no but it's alliteration is that enough i, I don't know really maybe not they're not, they didn't really try. I mean, they, they spent all their efforts on Jenny Flex, I think. Yeah, uh, and then she's barely in it. Uh, I think that's the best Bond name. The the best Bond girl name out of the Jenny franchise. Jenny Flex? Yeah. It's the only one that works as like a sort of pun. I mean, Flex isn't well, a What about Christmas Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Mm. I will say, I would much prefer this relationship between Bond and the girl if they'd gone down more of a paternal angle with it like especially with this being Roger Moore's last one I think it mm. would have been something and he does have these scenes with her where he's like making her quiche and she's and he, like falling he doesn't asleep. Well not at first anyway like she like mm. falls asleep drunk on bed and he just like you know covers her up and just how he's playing it as well it's just they don't have any kind of sexual chemistry between yeah. each other he just sort of feels like oh i'm just looking after you you don't really know what you're doing um and i wish that they'd have gone down that angle instead of trying to keep him the same sort of womanizing fella because it just looks like yeah she's yeah. out with her dad just a quick side thing that i've just looked up and it's not relevant i just looked up alison doody who played Jenny Flex? Oh yes, to see if she'd done anything else, and oh, she's yeah. in Taffin. Yeah, she's so, the uh, she's the one who uh, shouldn't be living there. Maybe you oh my god! Be here. Oh wow! Yeah, that's her, and she's also uh, the Nazi in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Elsa. Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> um, quite a career. Mm. So, oh, I did say yeah. Of course, Bond would make a quiche, the crappiest food. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's all that about? Yeah. It's just so weird. Like, why isn't he making her a martini or something? Like, what's what's happened to? Bo- oh, he's got old. That's what's well, happened to him. Thing, it's like, like Bond. We've got to a point where Bond is just like, shall we stay and have a quiche? <laughs> <laughs> well, time in, to move on. In the book, give me a young man. In the books, he talks about like how scrambled eggs and like bacon, and you know, he likes all the English breakfast stuff. It's like his favorite meal. Yeah, but scrambled but, eggs is good food. Quiche is yeah. fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I must say, he's never. I don't think he's ever cooked a quiche that I can read in the books. Um, How long does it take to prepare and cook a quiche from scratch? Because I su- suspect it's a good sort of hour and a half. Probably. So they, they were just chatting in that time. And they have, <laughs> like, never... I can't remember how many bottles of wine they have on the table, like, at the end of their night. It's either two or three, but either way, both of them have had, like, a whole bottle of red wine. They'd be feeling so, like, bloated. <laughs> oh, and... Bond wouldn't even touch the sides. <laughs> She's but drunk, that's no. why she falls asleep. She'd have the shits the next day. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's got the quiche splatters. <laughs> Doesn't egg do the opposite? Oh, no, I'm, I meant <laughs> yeah. more about the wine. Oh. But, yeah, that's why you need all the wine with the with the egg, so it, it balances each other out. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah. And then we have really awkward fight. Have you have you noticed that, like, pretty much all the fight scenes that Roger Moore is in with, like, you know, the heavies, oh, the villains, maybe that's uh, why unnamed henchmen? Maybe what? that's why the chase is so awkward at the start. Maybe it's Roger Moore. Oh, it yes. is? 
That's what we were saying. Yeah, because they've had to, they've had to age up the like the goons. So all the goons in this one are sort of like forty year old. All, all these stuntmen coming out of retirement. Pretty <laughs> one <much>. last gig. <laughs> and, and that's why the fight scenes just have like no energy. It's clearly not Roger Moore for most of them. Like from the waist up, it's probably him. But if you have to see him like run around or do anything, it's probably not him. It's just really. It's just really weird. I find it a really interesting, strange film, because on the one hand, it just feels this bloated, old, sluggish elements, but then it's also got people like Grace Jones and Tanya Roberts and Christopher Walken and this plot about computers and microchips and stuff and all this young stuff, and it just it's a really weird hodgepodge. My next note baffles me, because it's been a few... It's probably been a week or so since I watched this film. Uh, the bubbles tickle my Tchaikovsky. Is that an exact quote? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who says that? <laughs> and in what context? It's uh, the the Soviet lady, the KGB agent, who Bond goes to the, uh, oh, the bathhouse yeah, with. Oh, yeah, goes and shags someone for no obvious reason. Yeah, no, she just sort of pops up because uh, she's trying to oh, get I'll tell the, you what happened. the tape. Yeah, she gets a tape and she runs off. She shags him, finds the tape, runs off. And it then ends up not being the right tape. I didn't know what tape it was. I didn't know why she was getting it. I didn't know what evidence was supposed to be on it. I didn't know what... I don't know if they did anything about it afterwards. I had no idea what was going on with that at all, except she was KGB. Yes. And that's probably bad. Yes. And uh, General Gogol makes a reappearance, if you remember him. Uh, the Soviet no. head guy. No. Nope, okay. Well, nope. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, uh, the next bit I know, they go up to see her boss, because she works for the council or something, and they're getting planning permission. Yes. And she, they go to see her boss, and Christopher Walken's there, and then he shoots the boss and sets them on fire. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Yes, yes, yes. So then they come out, and the police, you know, quite sensibly want to question them. <laughs> and they can't, they can't imagine why. I love how J- Bond has so many aliases in this one. He's like, he's James St. John Smythe in... <laughs> St. John Smith. Yeah. Uh, in the in the weekend getaway. And then he goes by the name of uh, James Stock, I think, and poses as a journalist. And then he's... <laughs> no, it's because he works for the Financial Times, you see. That's it. So yeah. Stocks is called James Stock. Oh, that never market. occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. Good point. He's always James, though, because he's not quite clever enough to remember his first name as well. <laughs> but then it's like, no wonder the police want to interview you, because Stacy's like, he's James Stock of the Financial Times, and then he's like, oh no, actually I'm James Bond, and the police well, were quite he, reasonably he, confused. If, hang on, if if, the, if he had been James Stock of the Financial Times, would, is that a good enough thing where they go, oh, fair enough, you can go free, <laughs> sir. You're not worried about these dead bodies and this fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't like this uh, bumbling sheriff as much as uh, Sheriff Pepper from a few films ago. Not racist enough for you, is he? Uh, uh, I mean, no, he isn't. (laughs) He's not very funny, but he does do do a good, um, later on when his uh, car's getting squished, he does a proper full-on, like... Does he throw his hat on the floor and then stamp on it? He's not (laughs) far off. He does do a proper, like, grits his teeth, like... Yeah, that whole uh, chase on the fire engine as well is... uh... It feels like this is supposed to be the big dynamic... Oh, really? It feels like it's supposed to be a big dynamic action sequence. 
Yeah. Yeah. Conceptually great, practically crap, because it just felt so tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just... It felt like it was just going through the motions. And then they have a raise the bridge moment and they're going to have to do a jump up. Oh, I did like that. It kind of passes by without even noticing. That was like the Blues Brothers. But the the bit it feels like we should have a big fire truck jumping over the bridge thing, and obviously it was either just not possible or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they couldn't get it to spin, so um, they just yeah. sort of they just get to the bridge before it opens. Like oh, okay, yeah, uh, crash to give us a bit of. Back. Yeah, it just felt so tired and yeah. Slow e- e- even the gags on. Especially, I mean, he's like he's what he's like swinging around on the um the the ladder on the back of the thing, which I think is all well and good. But then yeah. he's like knocking yeah. like hats off people in convertibles, and they like rip off like a mobile home or something that some people are having sex in. And it's just, it's like, just the back of his truck is shagging some prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in all this, Stacy is just like the most ineffectual. Like I know that she's like. She's like a geologist, isn't she? I think that's what her job title is. Oh, yes, was, that's uh, right. She was a geologist. That's what it was. Yeah. Which I I liked because that was like, oh, she's got like a real job. She's not just like, yeah, well, my but... dad was rich, so I'm just hanging around these rich people. Yeah. I mean, she was like, my dad's rich, so he paid for me to become a geologist. Do we buy her, though? Like, <laughs> is this part? Like, people always pick on Denise Richards for not uh, being the most convincing nuclear physicist, but I'm not sure <laughs> that Tanya Roberts delivers uh, <laughs> these lines about geology very convincingly. Mm, I suppose. It's the key geological lock and all that, that stuff. It sounds like she's just reading a cue card. Yeah. I thought it was perfectly adequate James Bond act. I mean, to be honest, like, in a Bond film, the fact that she speaks English is a plus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Really low bar. Oh, yeah. but all of her screeching, her screeching is so annoying, especially in that burning elevator shaft where she she seems to genuinely think that James isn't coming back for her. Like, yeah, he's just fucked up. I believe that of James Bond, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, Sorry, darling, the, the mission is more important. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. like, I've sh- shagged her and like, d- ditched her in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like it would have been good if he'd gone up on top of the lift and he'd come back with a quiche. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> Not funny at all. <laughs> oh, something about the quiche really bothered me. <laughs> I, I, I think it's correct to bother you. I think it should bother everyone who watches this film. It's just so off-brand with Bond, and it's not even presented as a kind of, hey, there's hidden depths to Bond. It's just like, oh yeah, basic training, make a quiche. It's like, so if you're in the, get get lost in the jungle, you need to be able to make a quiche. <laughs> uh, well, we're sort of coming towards the climax now, because uh, after this, the uh, Bond and Stacey head over to Zorin's mine, <laughs> where he's... Uh... <laughs> This this was fun. This this is all like this is like Wario Goldmine wacky silly stuff <laughs> happening. Silly stuff. He he gets a fucking submachine gun and m- massacres a load of people. Yeah, just well, completely cold bloodedly. That was something that Roger Moore really didn't like. Apparently, uh, I mean he's getting old now. I suppose he's not as used to you know he doesn't like his violence and sex and swearing anymore. But yeah, but this is sort of a very like this is a Bond villain committing mass murder of his own men. 
um, in such a gleeful way. I don't think we've yeah, ever the thing seen... Is, it's, it's like, it's one thing if he was like, oh, push the button, I don't care who's down there anymore. Mm. Like, blow it up. Like, that's... But he's, like, gleefully murdering everyone. Like, he's... He, it's unnecessary, and it is mm. definitely a step over a line. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And the, how long they spend on it as well, like how many shots yeah. are dedicated to just these poor men being mown down and then being electrocuted because water's flooding in and and all this. It's, uh, yeah. I didn't mind it. Brutal. It bothered me in that it felt unproductive. So. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, Zorin turns on Mayday here. And uh, doesn't seem to really care whether she lives or dies. She sends mm. he sends her after Bond and Stacy. Um, it's very much an order go get them. But then he has no interest in really her coming back or anything. Presumably, if everything had gone to plan and she'd been with him, she would have gone up on the blimp with him. But uh, mm. yeah, he just decides now nah, let her drown. She's she's been tainted by Roger Moore now. He doesn't want her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, you smell like mm. old men. <laughs> But this does mean that she turns. She uh, is immediately yeah. <laughs> like, ah, screw him. But I believe that. Like, I believe she was like, I never really liked him anyway. <laughs> it was just a paycheck. Yeah. And uh, it was a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I quite enjoy all this stuff in the mine. I think it's actually genuinely quite engaging action mm. stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I like all this. So... Then, then there's a bit where there's a bomb on a little on a little skateboard thing, yeah. And there's a break on it, but it's broken, so she has to hold the break manually so, so that they can actually get the bomb out of the uh, cave on on time before it goes off. Mm. What? Why didn't she just take her top off and tie it around the handle or something? She, I mean, she's pretty comfortable getting her clothes off. There was no time. Yeah, there was. No, there wasn't. There's loads of time. James Bond's like, Oh, what are you doing? And they have a little conversation. <laughs> yeah, but that's while she's already moving out. He's yeah, so take her, take her top off while she's moving, wrap it round, then jump, run. But that would have... Why didn't Roger Moore take seconds. his top off? Yeah. Yeah, yeah why didn't James Bond take it? his fucking belt off? <laughs> yeah, he could have taken his corset off and, and put it around. This thing. <laughs> 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 mm. Um... <laughs> Anyway, then then she blows up. Mm. And... Really cool death, by the way. I think it's really cool how she comes out cackling and then he's <laughs> flying by in his blimp. And I think that blimp. Him. I think that blimp is legitimately cool. This is the first time a, a James Bond like gadget vehicle thing. So made me think, oh, that's good. And you know why it is? It's because it's like it's a real thing. You can tell it's an actual blimp that they're just flying around. It's not just like oh, some yeah. shitty shitty little special effect. Um, <laughs> I think that makes all the difference. It, it's, I think in, it, in like quite a few <laughs> shots it is. So, I... yeah. No, I know, but but yeah, in, in enough of... Yeah, there's definitely a real right. blimp there. That's kind of what I oh, mean. Yeah. It's not just like yeah. made up bollocks. Um, yeah. It's very manoeuvrable. Yeah. Sneak right up behind someone without them even noticing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, when he... Ab- Get Stacy, God. <laughs> uh, but 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 the uh, the fight up on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge is very hampered by the fact that Roger Moore is performing a lot of the shots against a 
rear projection and him and Christopher Walken. I mean, obviously in real life, it was Christopher Walken and an axe against 57-year-old Roger Moore. There's not much competition, really. I mean, look, I, I quite enjoyed all this sequence, but I have to say what really annoyed me was that Christopher Walken was insistent that he wasn't going to use the sharp bit on the axe. He was going to whack James Bond with the blunt side. <laughs> yeah. Like, wh- why, why was that? He could have killed Bond easily, Sporting. but he just decided, no, I'm just going to smack him with it a bit. Mm. <laughs> Nuts. Don't want to get blood on me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And and then and then anyway he you know hubris he, he he you know falls to his death. Now what is this film's obsession? Did they like <laughs> did they buy like a new dummy on the James Bond <laughs> budget? And they were like, well look, we've got to get our use out of it. Full of straw. <laughs> <laughs> Should we give this dummy like realistic weight and joints? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Just- Stop it worked, it. It worked <laughs> for Monty Python, so it's fine. <laughs> it's like all the old Sean Connery toupees stuffed it with. And... <laughs> yeah, it's not very convincing. I think it's even worse earlier on when Zorin is uh, kicking out one of his uh, non-financers from his airship, and you can just see the limbs are just flapping around in the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. There's a lot of nice shots up on this bridge. I think there's oh, enough yeah. act- actual footage of the bridge to make it quite an exciting scene, even though a lot of it's, mm. like you say, ropey back projection. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they did get, like, um, yeah, a couple of stuntmen up there to tussle around a bit, and that all looks quite good, I think. Mm, mm. And then that's it, isn't it? He, he kills him. The end. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Stacey Sutton's there not being any help at all. No. She's still wearing her heels at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Q is like a full-on pervert in this one. Like he's he's like, <laughs> I, I, Q, like, am I forgetting something? But I don't remember Q like being upset that he doesn't get to watch James Bond fuck someone before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure in the past he's kind of been like, oh god, he's at it again. Oh, that's 007. I'll go and have a cup of tea. Whereas in this one, he's like, oh, oh, pants, socks. Mm, tights. <laughs> well, it's all changed after that time when those women yeah. in a hot air balloon attacked him and uh, <laughs> t- took him, took him as their sex slave. And, and he slowly man. finds his way to the shower, and then he just sits there like, oh. and then and then James Bond's like, oh fuck off, and then mm. and then he like he he actively goes like he does an annoyed look like, oh I was watching that. <laughs> mm. Just weird. I don't it? really like it. As uh, did you notice, there's some dialogue like uh, it's very faint in the mix as the little uh, contraption things going through Stacy's house and Bond and Stacy are in the shower and there's something like there's just like some mumbling from them. But yeah, there's loads to it. More ADR. This film's full of it. Yeah. They added loads <laughs> of lines. So there's her going like, "Would you like some of that quiche from before?" <laughs> in the fridge. <laughs> oh, let's. We'd better hop in the shower. And wash. There's something. There's something along the line. I've got Keisha all over. My, I've got Keisha down my front. Let's hop in the shower together. <laughs> something along the lines of, uh, "Oh, can you grab the soap?" And then, "Ooh, that is not the soap." Yeah, I think I think this ending. It's my cock. Been... I thought they were making like a prison joke, <laughs> and then yeah, I I think this ending would have been much better, especially considering that Roger Moore's like contract was up at Moonraker. 
and every one after that was just like an add-on. So they must have known that this was going to be his very last one. I would have loved it if they'd have just gone down that paternal angle. And you could have still had her coming on to him at the end, and then he's like, nah. You could take nah. a Viagra and have a heart attack. <laughs> Well, yeah. And what I should have done is she she like comes round with her mother. She's like, "Oh, James, I wanted to introduce my mother because I want she wants to say thank you for saving my life and all that." Mm. And then he's just like he sits, he's sat on the settee, and they sit either side of him and kiss one. No, 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 no. Exactly that. She's like, "Oh, this is my mother. I want you to meet her." And and he goes, oh, and he, he reaches down and pulls a lever on the sofa and it's an ejector seat and he flies <laughs> off into the sky. And then a parachute he wasn't wearing five seconds ago appears on his back and it's the Union Jack. <laughs> uh, she, she brings the mother in, the mother goes, oh, I've made you a quiche to say thank you. It's like, oh my God, my perfect woman. <laughs> uh. You should have shacked up with Money Penny. That's the, that's how you close this off. Mm, Just finally yeah. bangs Money Penny, and she's like disappointed. And <laughs> yeah, realizes it wasn't worth. Yeah, she's like, oh. it, it, it wasn't worth the twenty five years of waiting. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the anticipation is is the fun bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so this is the end of an era then for uh, the series. End of Roger. How long has How long has more been? Bond now? Uh, it will have been uh, well, seven films and How long was I, that? 15 years? Uh, 12 years, I think. I think Live and Let Die is 1973. Yeah, and then this is 1985. So 12 Ooh. years, seven films. Not a bad mm-hmm. run at all. I I felt like this film, it felt like this should have been the first of a new Bond. It it, it felt separate mm. from the other Roger Moore films. It just tonally felt like its own thing. Yeah. Mm. I have to say, my my feeling at the end of this film was one of optimism for the future of this franchise. <laughs> and like oh. I oh, no, no, I can nice. a- I can actually see myself starting to enjoy these if they continue in this direction. I was gonna say you have been very positive about this one. Yeah. I didn't mind this one. I'm surprised it's not one of your favorites, honestly. I, for for me it was it was all the same old shit, but it's just like there's just something about the more modern filmmaking techniques that I perceived uh mm. that made the action sequences more enjoyable and all the dumb shit just kind of more enjoyable. And then you've got Christopher Walken in there. Mm. You've got some some like you've got a robot dog in there. Uh, yeah, I came away thinking it was it was one of the best Bond films I've seen, which isn't a high bar. Mm. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> See, for me, it was like, yeah, same old, same old, but slower and more tired. <laughs> but really energetic and modern in other aspects, I think. It's, it's yeah, a really yeah, exactly. odd one. Um, yeah. I mean, it flip-flops for me depending on mood. It is really a mood-dependent one. There are times when I've watched it and I've been... You know, quite bored, and then there's other times where I just sort of like have a good time with it. Uh, yeah, this was one of the good times, though. Like, I'm very much aware that it is so flawed, uh, but I, I, I enjoy it nonetheless. What would you rate it? Well, um, I give it a six out of ten, oh. which is very generous for me. With After James all Bond. that, 
Well, yeah, the, the, I've never look the highest rated Bond film I've I've given a rating to is, is a seven out of ten for and Goldfinger. That, that, was it Doctor No and Goldfinger? I gave both of those a seven. Uh, I thought this one was at least going to join those. And I'll tell you now, this is my third favorite Bond film that I've seen. <laughs> there we go. Like right, right behind those two. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up enjoying the next one properly. Oh my god! Mm, we'll see about that. It's exciting. I gave uh, this film a five, which is pretty much what I gave in all the Roger Moore films. <laughs> Just so middling and average. The, my, my best Roger Moore is Moonraker. I gave that a six. God, who's counting? I'm stunned that the pair of you, your favorite Roger Moore films, have been two of his most critically uh, derided. Moonraker Which and one a View was to really? the Seaman. Is a View to Which... a Kill? <laughs> 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 oh, I really, I mean, yeah, I was really, I did miss the presence of just, just like a big load of salty semen in this film. <laughs> Because there's one or two, you can see a few seamen just dotted around, like off in the distance <laughs> when they're up on the bridge. But um... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Calvin. Uh, well, it's it's only a seven from me. I always find it very difficult because I don't like rating Bond films necessarily. Because uh, I've seen them so many times, I don't even need to watch them. I just sort of know them. But each time I do watch them, they sort of go up and down the rankings a little bit. I feel like if I were to look at all of the ratings that I've given of that film series throughout this podcast, it might not necessarily gel up with like how I would rank them necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, for this one, it's probably a seven. Um, it's never been an absolute favorite, but I think there's a lot of fun in it. It's a really weird film, but I like mm. it all the more for that. Um, I think that's part of what did it for me. It just felt a bit mm. more playful and willing to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and it's remarkable because it's the same creative team, like, largely. Mm. Like, this is the third out of five films with the same director, like, a lot of the same crew. And um, so it's it's bizarre how they can feel so different to each other. So you say this is one of the least well-regarded Oof, yes. films? Really? Yeah. I, ju- I just assumed it was one of the better ones, like, one of the more I popular think... ones. I think... I think on it might even be the lowest rated out of the whole series on like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Really? Um, I'm looking quickly. Moonraker has a slightly lower. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I knew it was going to be one six, of those six, two. Six point four, four out of ten isn't. Yeah, it's not a bad rating. It's not a great rating, but. It's... Well, compare it to the other Roger Moore films. Octopussy is 6.6. Fiora is only 6.8. Man with the Golden Gun, 6.8. Spy Love Me, 7.1. Not a lot in Die Another Day, 6.1 is the worst one. (laughs) Ah, okay, there we go. So yeah, Moonraker is the second lowest. Future Killer is the third lowest, according Mm. to this. You James Bond fanboys are worse than those fucking DC maniacs. You you won't (laughs) let Die Another Day fall below a 6. That's insane. (laughs) But um, just before we finish this, I am curious to know, now that we are done with Roger Moore and Sean Connery, but I'll never say never again, but whatever, um, out of the two of them, who do you like the most? As a person. <laughs> <laughs> As James Neither Bond. Neither of them making I, a very good argument. If If I were to watch a film that wasn't James Bond and see the cast pop up at the start... I would be more excited if it said Sean Connery. I'd be like, oh, cool. Mm. 
Whereas if you said Roger Moore, I'd be like, yeah, be interested. I didn't realise he'd ever done anything else. Yeah, Um, (laughs) this isn't a Bond film. (laughs) Having said that, if if I were like in charge of, let's say we've got some amazing future technology and we can just do all the actors digitally, because I mean, that's where we are now. Go and watch the start of the new Terminator film. It is astonishing what they're they're doing with de aging and shit now. I so so say I was making a James Bond film. And I had a choice between Sean Connery's estate and Roger Moore's estate are both signed off on. I know Sean Connery's still alive, but I mean, <laughs> this is going to be at least a year from now. Um, <laughs> so uh, their estates are signed off on their likenesses, so I've got a choice. I think I'd go digitally recreated Roger Moore. So I think Ooh. that means that that's more what. I think more? of when I think of James Bond. Does that make sense? Yeah, He's no, more no. of the definitive James Bond in my head. Ah, mm. that's cool. I, I kind of suspected it would be that way. Yeah. Not for me. Oh, really? No. I, I obviously like Sean Connery's I'm films going more, though, because I like <laughs> Doctor No and, and Goldfinger the most. So Yeah. Yeah, Sean Connery is a is more Bond more Bond to me, I think. I, and I definitely would prefer to see that Bond in a proper film, like a good film. Where, whereas I think you can't get Roger Moore's Bond in a good film because Roger Moore would be in it. Honestly, I, I think when all is said and done, and I might be very wrong here, but I think I'm going to come away feeling like Pierce Brosnan is the definitive what I think of as James Bond. But I don't know. It, it might end up being uh, Timothy Dalton. So who knows? Yeah, I think you're going to like the next couple. Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from Timothy Dalton. I really don't. Hmm. This we're, we're actually, yeah, I I probably have seen the Timothy Dalton Bond at some point or other, but I can't really remember. I don't have a picture of what Timothy Dalton Bond is. I do with all the others. Hmm. So I'm quite interested what we're about to get to as well. Hmm. Okay, cool. I will. Uh, I, I want to ask though. If we let's go back to the mid eighties, you know, Roger Moore has passed on. He's, he's, he's um, he will still live for another thirty years, but you know, he's he's no longer with us. And we need to bring in a new Bond. Who do you get? Ooh. Well, are, who are you, you pass the mantle le- on to? Well, they were trying to pass it on to Pierce Brosnan immediately after this. Do you know? Oh, that? really? I didn't yeah. know that. No. He he was yeah. announced and everything, but then he had like it was Remington Steel, wasn't it? The... That was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had like uh, they they were the, you know there was an option in his contract if they renewed it for another season. He obviously had to play it, uh, and then they left it until the very last it, day. It was it was all but cancelled. But my understanding is the the press came out. Pierce Brosnan's going to be the new Bond, and they went oh. That's a bit of uh, pre- you know, Publicity. people are now gonna tune in and watch the new Bond on Remington Steel. We better give yeah. it another season. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then Cubby Broccoli came out after they did that and said Remington Steel will not be James Bond, and that was it. And then the the producers of Remington Steel mysteriously died. <laughs> and a horse head was left. In the, uh, in the but hotel. yeah, there's some interesting. Um, <laughs> Some interesting. Uh, Sam Neill was screen tested for the part. Oh, um, he would have been great. He would have been. Great. I can see that. Yeah. See yeah. That. Uh, James Brolin was uh, screen tested in Octo- for Octopussy. Actually, uh, 1985. Who would I have gone with? See, so, so we want we want someone born in 1950 to 
Check us out and see you next week. Thank you.